God, will you saturate us even more? Holy Spirit, flood this place. Flood this place, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Fan into flame a passion for your name. Fan into flame a desire for more of you. Lord God, that we may be able to beat our body, Lord God, in discipling and discipline before you. Let us long to be in that place. In your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ, amen and amen. God is good, amen. Man, we're going to jump into the word here, and we're going to skip the announcements and offering, we're going to do that at the end. So um, those and for Discover Track, feel free to go now. First, I just want to talk a little bit about the last several weeks. Week one was seeing seeing the golden people. And that was in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 1, verse 1 through 9. Pastor Jonathan shared. And then week 2 was unity. Chapter 1, 10 through 11. Chapter 3 was power of the cross. That was in 1, 18 through 31. Week 4 was the power of wisdom of God. Week 5 was God's dwelling place. Week 6 was below the deck. Week seven through nine is what are you tolerating? What are we tolerating in our church? What are we tolerating in our own life? Week 10 was idolatry. Week 11 was marriage, singleness, sex, divorce, and remarriage. And week 12 was last week is what are we eating? This morning I want to talk to you about what's the race you're running. And so I want to show a video clip here in a second. But first, this, just so you know, the video clip came from John Bevere's, um a sermon series that he did by, called Driven by Eternity. But I thought it was really applicable to what, what I want to share with you this morning. So go ahead, Chris. Question. What are you called to do? I ask that question because we won't be judged according to what we did in life but rather what we were called to do in life. Imagine with me standing before the throne of God and a scenario like this occur. Evangelist Anderson, come forth and give an account of your stewardship on earth. E evangelist Anderson, I, I'm not an evangelist. I, I, I'm an accountant. I, 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 I had an accounting firm, I had an evangelist Anderson. Where are the 347,566 souls I called you to impact in Asia, son? Where are they? I, I, 
I'm an, I'm an accountant. I, I had an accounting firm. I, I, I help churches. I help ministries with their, their, their finances. Son, where are the 347,566 souls in Asia I called you to impact? Son, where are they? Had you sought me, had you sought my face, I would have revealed this to you. And everything in regards to that man's calling was burnt up before the judgment seat of Christ. Accountant Jones, step forward and give an account of your stewardship. Uh, Accountant Jones? No, I, I pastored for 35 years. I, I had a, a membership of 750 people. Accountant Jones, I called you to the marketplace. Had you done this, you would have significantly impacted two people. You and those two men would have helped churches with their finances, and those churches would have impacted 751,321 souls. If you would have sought me, I... I would have revealed this to you. And again, in regards to this man's calling, everything he's done in life would be burnt up before the judgment seat of Christ. Sister Smith, come forth and give an account of your stewardship. raised three children. I, I never preached to, to nations. I, I never even been on a, a missionary trip. I, I only tried my hardest to raise my children in your way. Sister Smith, I never called you to preach to nations. I never called you to go to other countries on missionary trips. I called you to raise three children. And let me show you the 1,579,541 souls those three children impacted. sought me and you heard my voice. You were obedient to my call. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So remember, in regards to the calling that's on your life, you won't be judged according to what you did you will be judged according to what you were called to do. I watched that video several weeks ago before I knew I was going to preach, and it stirred something inside of me. In the verse that it ended with, or the second, the second to the end verse that it ended with was Ephesians 2.10, which is one of my favorite scripture verses. It says, where we are God's handy, handwork, created in Christ Jesus to do his work, 
which God prepared in advance for us to do. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do his work. How many of us, including myself, are going through life doing what we want to do? Are we running the race that God has set before us, or are we running our race? And I had to ask myself that question. Because we need to be running the race that God has set before us. God created us in our mother's womb. He knit us together. Before a word was even on our lips, he knew what we was going to say and what we were going to do. God prepared in advance what we were supposed to do. Are you doing it? I watched this video and, and I came out and I just started out of my office and, and, and I started talking to Leslie and I was just like, man... I just, there's this thing inside of me. Am I doing what God's called me to do? God started stirring inside of me a passion. A passion and a zealousness for more of him. Because I know what God created Bo Koppelman to do. Without a shadow of a doubt in my mind, I know where he's called me and what he's doing in my life. Do you? You were created for him. What race are you running? What race has God called you to run? Are you running for the prize? Or are you out for an afternoon jog or a morning stroll? Some of us are out for a morning stroll and some of us are out for an afternoon jog. I guess that would make it an evening run, but just to make sense. But the thing is, is are you running the race that God has set before you? In 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 says this, Do not know that, all, that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way to get that prize. Everyone who complete, competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not, la or will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to the body and make it my slave so that I may preach, my, I have preached to others. I myself will not be disqualified to the prize or for the prize. And when I read 1 Corinthians 9 and Jonathan said, hey, can you do 8 and 9? This is the verse that stuck out to me. Because am I running the race that God has set before me? with everything that I have, or am I just going through life saying, God, what do you want? Is my focus focused directly on him, or is it on my own passions and my own desires?
too often we allow, I allow, my own passions and desires to get in the way of what God's called me to do. What are you allowing to get in the way of what God's called you to do? You know, there's 7.6 million people, students, that play a high school sport a year. or 7.6 million, roughly. Out of that 7.6 million people, do you know how many of those people play in college? 456,000. Just over 6%, roughly. Do you know out of that 436,000, how many of those become pro athletes? Four hundred and thirty-six. So out of 7.6 million, 436 become pro athletes. But those pro athletes know what it takes. They beat their body daily to become a pro athlete. That's not very good odds. But the thing is, is those pro athletes know what it takes to become a pro athlete. And all I want is to become a pro athlete for the Lord. What can I do to run the race that God has set before me to be more like him, to encounter him like I've never encountered him before? to be saturated in his presence. What do I got to do? Am I willing to do it? Or am I not? That's the question that you have to ask yourself because that's the question I have to ask myself. Is are you willing to do whatever it takes? What sacrifice is it going to cost to beat yourself daily? to get to that place in the presence in the throne room of God that we can be saturated in his presence. It's actually quite simple. But at the same time, it's extremely hard. In Ephesians 6, 13 and through 18, it says this, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, and in addition to this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer 
and supplication. We have to get ready every day to fight the battle that's in front of us. The thing is, is our battle is not against flesh and blood. But it's against the enemy that wants to rob, steal, and destroy the calling of God on your life. The race that you're supposed to run. When was the last time you strapped on your boots? When was the last time you put on your belt? put on your breastplate, picked up your shield, put on the helmet and grabbed the sword and said, I'm ready for battle. Because if we're not doing it daily, we're allowing the enemy to come in and throw those fiery darts at us and destroy our life. That's the only way we're going to make it. And if you would have asked me six months ago what I believed, I would say, you know, and and it was it was several different people have been impacted my life in the last six six months ish. But there was something that happened when we did our, our call to fast back in the beginning of January. At that time, I weighed 398 pounds, or 298, excuse me, that's a big difference. But then when I put on, that was before I put on all my clothes, and so when I put on my clothes, it probably be like 320-ish, 220, 320, yes, there we go, I think if I could do the math. Um, but something had to shift. God started doing something in my life. I had neck surgery, and in the neck surgery, My blood pressure was 225, I believe. I was like, okay. They had me under monitoring. They're like, don't worry about it. It's not that we got you under control. You got stuff going on. We're monitoring it all. What came November, December 22nd of this past year, a couple days before Christmas, I was sitting on the couch, and all I was doing was sitting on the couch, and I checked my blood pressure. And my blood pressure read... Um, 195. I said, Linda, is that bad? I knew it was bad, but I purposely asked my wife to see what she would do. And she freaked out the way she would normally freaked out. She said, yes, that's a little high. (laughs) That's all she said and how she said it. I'm not kidding. And I knew in the way that she said it that it was something that I need to get under control. So that was with a, a wrist one. So I drove to Walmart because I wanted to, one to the cuff one to go up here. Supposedly they're like better to read, I guess. I don't know. Read your blood pressure. So I went there, and on the way there I said, "God, if you want to take me out of ministry, take me out of ministry. I want to be there for my kids. I want to be there for my wife. I hate the stress of what ministry really ministry really brings. But so God, if if you want to do anything, please tell me now because I'm, I'm, I'm okay with leaving the ministry. And the Lord told me, Bo, this is what I've called you to do. 
are you going to do it no matter what? So I said, all right. I got home. I told Linda, come January 1st, I'm doing whatever it takes to get down. The first month went by, and it was just her and I. We, she, would, she was holding me accountable, and I realized that wasn't the best for our marriage because she'd be like, don't eat that. And I'm like, why can't I eat that? She's like, because it's not good for you, but it tastes good, so why not can't I do it? And so I started, got an app on my phone in a place that I could look at it every time and be able to read and say, okay, I can, I can scan that, I can't eat that, I can't eat that, I can't do this, I can't do that. And so what I saw happen is my body physically changing. And then also, January 1st, we did the 21 days of fasting. For me, I ended up fasting a lot of stuff on my phone because my phone took away things from God. Then I knew that's what I needed to do. So I deleted things off my phone. I only used my phone to call and read the word and text. And so I said, any time that I pick up my phone to go to Facebook, any time that I pick up my phone to go to social media, any time that I pick up my phone to play a game, or whatever it may be, I'm reading the Word. Regardless of if I, if I understand it, regardless if I can comprehend it, and some of you know I've shared my, my reading comprehension and all that kind of stuff. But God started doing a work in my life, and I started hungering for more of God. And so at that time, Bruce came to me and he said, Bo, you need to come and pray and f- pray at, at five, whenever it was six o'clock in the morning, whatever here at the church. And I said, no, that's not what God's telling me to do. And, and quite honestly, I don't think that's the best time to give God. He said, okay. He just accepted it. He, the next week or next time he saw me, he said the same thing. And it wasn't until I read my Bible And the Lord pointed something out to me because in that time I started seeing, I was doing a prayer and fasting um, devotion. And my heart is to be like God, is to be like Jesus. And if I asked you all to raise your hand or raise your hand if you want to be like Jesus, I bet you everybody in this room would raise their hand, right? So it says in Mark 1.35, it says this. And this hit me hard. Very early in the morning, when it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. What the heck is going on, God? So I said, Lord, if you want this to happen, then you're going to have to wake me up, because there's no way in the world I'm waking up at before the sun rises. Luke 4.42 says this, part A says this, at daybreak, Jesus went out. To a solitary place. Lord, I love my sleep. And Lord knows I need sleep so I'm not cranky towards my wife and towards my kids, right? Because that's my flesh. But I had to train myself to say, no matter what, I'm running the race that God has put before me. So God, if you want me to wake up at five, I'll wake up at five. So that morning he woke me up at 5. The next morning he woke up at 5. And I said, okay, God, I get the hint. If that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. So every single morning, the Lord's been waking me up at 5 o'clock. Why? Because I feel like my heart, all I want is to be more like Christ. Christ. 
And if that's what Jesus did, then that's what I should do. But it's early. I'm not saying you need to work it out with you and the Lord. You would ask me several months ago, that's not the best time to do it. But I'm telling you today, it is the best time to do it. Why? Because you can put on the full armor of God before the enemy tries to attack you. So what do you do when you wake up? I read the word, and I start to pray. Then I put on the armor of God. Why? Because that's a quiet time. That's a place where I can find solitude. My wife isn't, I'm going to say nagging, but Linda rarely nags, but my wife isn't nagging to me at that time. My kids aren't nagging me. Life isn't crazy. I don't got people calling me at 5 o'clock in the morning. Well, there's been a few times. But the thing is, is I found that that is the best time, no matter what, to give God. Because there's times where God speaks to me in dreams. And I wake up and I can write it down. And I won't forget it. I can look it up. I can read about it. I can pray about it. I can say, God, what is this for? Who is this for? What's happening here? So since January 1st, God has totally changed my life. And I can look back and I can tell you that day, and I guarantee you that day will stand in my memory for the rest of my life. Because I shared several weeks ago that I believed the lies of the enemy. I used to be an athlete in college, I ran in college, I got a scholarship and all that junk. But the thing is, is I started believing the lies of the enemy and I told you guys that I had premarital sex and then I, I made a joke and said, God gave me, and I called it Junior, God gave me Junior. And I took that and I believed it because every time I said that, which I shared my testimony several times, I started to look at it, and to be honest with you, it slowly grew. And it wasn't like I was ever like, angry at myself or didn't like who I was, but I wasn't running the race that God put before me. I believed the lie of the enemy, and the lie of the enemy was God gave me this. God didn't give it to me. I chose that. Because he's called me to run the race that is set before me. Do I have failures? Absolutely. Do I stumble and fall? Absolutely. But the thing is, is that I will get up every day now, and I will read my Bible every day now, no matter what, before I do anything else, because I know that that's me putting on the full armor of God, that I may be able to come against what the enemy's trying to do. And just because the enemy's doing it to me, he's also doing it to you. Because he doesn't like you in these chairs. He doesn't like you communing with other believers. He doesn't like rubbing elbows with other believers. 
We have to. We have to live with eternal perspective. Man, I'm telling you, I want a 200-inch class buck. For those who don't know, it's a very big buck. That's what I want on my wall someday. And I want over a 360-inch elk. I want that. But my desire for God has to be way more than that. I have to beat myself daily and say, no, Bo, this isn't happening. Why? Because God has to be there for me. God has to be the center of it all. So if that means I wake up at 5 o'clock every morning, then so be it. Why? Because I desire God's presence more than I desire anything else in my life. Because if I want my relationship with my wife to be correct, then I have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ first. If I want my relationship with my kids to be correct, then I have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus has to be the sole center of it all. That's how we run daily after that. First Timothy 6:12 says this, "Fight the good fight of faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and about which you were made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Take hold the eternal life which you were called." Each one of us in this world has been called to eternal life. But we all have a choice of where we go. God has given you that choice if you want to run the race that is set before you. Second Timothy 2.5 says, An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. James 1.12 says this, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive a crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. When we spend time with God, something starts to happen. The more time we spend with God, the more time we look like God. The more time we spend with other stuff, the more we look like other stuff. C.S. Lewis said this, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. I don't want things in this world to satisfy my hunger for more of God. But I have allowed things in my life to get in the way of what God's called me to do. Let's watch this video clip meet you right here after school, okay? Right here. 
Love you. Love you too. I'll see you later. Can you hear me? They stare. Let them stare. You can't blend in when you were born to stand out. We're gonna have a little man-to-man. Now, I gotta stop here because past this point is a no-dad zone and you don't wanna walk up with your parents because it's not cool. But you're cool. I know I am, but technically most dads aren't, so... And neither are these helmets. Two rules. First, only raise your hand once a class, no matter how many answers you know, except for science. Crush the whole. Check. Second, you're gonna feel like you're all alone, Augie, but you're not. Check. Should we lose this? Come on. Costumes are for Halloween. Prepare for blast off. Have fun. Bye. Have an excellent mission and Godspeed. We are ready to proceed at this time. Ten, nine, eight, seven. Dear God, please make them be. So there's a quote in there besides knowing that I'm a cool dad. So happy Father's Day to everybody. But the quote is this, or all the fathers, I should say, not to everybody, but to the fathers. The quote is this, if they stare, let them stare. You can't blend in if you were born to stand out. If they stare, let them stare. The thing is, is people are staring at us, or you, or me. But we were never born to blend in. We were born to stand out. See, like C.S. Lewis said, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. I was created to worship God. I was created to run the race that is set before me, and am I doing it? That's why it's so important to wake up every morning and spend time with our God and our Creator. Because we have to put our boots on. We have to strap them on. We have to pick up the shield and the helmet and the belt and the breastplate and the sword. Because that's the only way we're going to be able to survive in this world. If they stare, let them stare. Because I, Bo Koppelman, was not born to blend in, but to stand out. What were you born to do? I'm telling you, you were born to stand out. God knit you together in your mother's womb. 
God took every fiber and every part of your being and knit it together perfectly. It's like, oh, there's Keith. Kept on going. Oh, there's Leslie. He knit us together. And he knew the words that were spoken that we were going to speak and the destiny that we have upon our life. But the thing is, is we get to choose. We get to choose. He's not up there saying, oh, don't, there you go. But I want to run that race that God has set before me. It says in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Therefore, since we're in a surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off anything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance, race that is marked out for us. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, and for the joy that's set before us, or set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down in the right hand of the throne of God. So my question is this, what is keeping you from running the race that God has set before you? Is it fear? Let me tell you, fear doesn't come from God. Is it insecurities? Is your excuse, I'm tired? The anxiety, maybe you have doubt. Maybe you don't have the confidence. But all of these things are excuses. And you know what excuses are? Ask me later and I'll share. What is holding you back? What will cause you to break through the boundaries that you have set up and those walls that you have set up in front of you and God? And this is a baton ran in relay races. The baton is in your hands now. Are you going to run the race and pick up the baton and run the race that God has set before you? Or are you going to skirt by on your relationship that your parents had with Jesus? It doesn't work that way. Are you going to say, well, my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister have a relationship, so therefore that's great. The thing is, it's time to pick up the baton and run the race that God has set before you. Let me tell you, it's hard. It's not fun. It's extremely hard. And a lot of times it's not fun at all. But when I have an external, um, eternal mindset, when I can see from eternal things, let me tell you that 200-inch deer or the 350-inch elk means nothing. Why? Because I want God to move in my life. When I see a soul saved, 
That's way better than a huge deer. When I see somebody healed and restored to the rightful place that God's called them to, that's better than anything in the world to me. Because I see the destiny that God has for them and for you. When I get to heaven, I want to hear, I want to see and say, I'd be able to stand before God and say, I fought the good fight, like it says in 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy 4 7. I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. No matter what the enemy has tried to do, I have fulfilled God's calling on my life. It's said in the video at the very beginning, 1 Corinthians 3.13. But on that day, that judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if the person's work has any value. When that fire is done, I want to see a heap of coal before my God and my Creator. Or not coal, gold. I don't know why I said coal. I want to see gold. I want to know that what I did here, that I laid myself aside and I said, God, I want to do what you called me to do no matter what. I will go wherever you called me to go because I will follow wherever you lead. Because the words that I want to hear on that day are found in Matthew 25. 23, the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small. So I will give you more responsibility. Let's celebrate together. I want to hear those words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. The thing is, is to run the race that God has set before us. It's simple. But yet it's the hardest thing that we will ever do. Because the enemy does not want you to be with eternity with our Creator. So what is he going to do? He's going to rob, he's going to steal, and he's going to destroy your life. He's going to look for things that he can do to destroy the very core of you. Because that's his ultimate goal. He's going to tell you that you're worthless. He's going to tell you that you're not good enough. He's going to tell you that you're too old. He's going to tell you you're too young. He's going to tell you whatever he can do to get you away from what God's called you to do. And that race that God has set before you. So Father's Day 2018, June 17th. Make a stand, put a stick in the ground, make an altar before God. And say, I choose today 
that no matter what comes my way, I'm going to serve God with all that I have. I'm going to give him everything. So God, if you want me to wake up at 5, I wake up at 5. I challenge some of you to do that. Okay, maybe you're supposed to be to work at 5, okay? Then set your say God wake me up at 3. 5 time in the morning and do it for a month. Do it for a couple weeks. And I challenge you to do it because I guarantee it's going to change your life. Not, oh, when I get to it or, oh, when I feel like it. But set aside time right away. As soon as you wake up in that pillow, you get off the pillow. You say, I'm going to read my word. I'm going to put my boots on. Before I go to work, before I go talk to my kids, before I do something. Because it will change your life. Because what you're doing is you're preparing your body. You're beating your body daily by doing that. Because it becomes sacrifice. In a year from now, I know in my life, and it might happen sooner, it might happen later, five o'clock is not going to be good enough because it becomes a routine. So if the Lord wants to wake me up earlier, like three o'clock, not right now, Lord, but in a bit, then do it. Because I want God's presence to go with me wherever I go. I want people to see, regardless of my flaws, because there's a lot of flaws that you can see in me regardless of my flaws, that people see my God and my Creator. That people will see the living God active inside of me. So this morning you have a choice. Some of you are, are running with a baton in your hand and you're doing a phenomenal job. And that's awesome. Some of you have not yet picked up the baton. Whatever the reasons are, I don't care. And the Lord doesn't care. What He cares is about our heart before Him. Our heart before our Heavenly Father. It's time to pick up our baton and run the race that God has set before you. Just so, before they start this song, I'm going to have, if the people want to come forward um, for um, prayer, um, we have our ministry team, feel free to come up. But if God is just tugging at your heart, saying, hey, it's time to pick up my baton, I've left it laying there too long. I'm going to run that race that God has set before me. Come up and let us pray with you. Or find somebody in, in this room and say, hey, can you pray with me that I can pick up my baton and I can run the race that God has set before me. I've heard a thousand stories